0: Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at Viking.com. Coming up on Money Beat, if you go to the Atlanta Fed's website and look at their GDP tracker, you will see an economy that does not look very good right now. If you go to the New York Fed's website and look at their GDP tracker, you'll see an economy that actually does look very good right now. Why are these two closely watched trackers showing two economies that seem to be completely different? That is what we're going to talk about next. This is Money Beat from The Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Steven Grosser. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Money Money Beat I had, oh my God! I actually had to think about what the name of the show was for a second. My mind is going, and I have not even started drinking on St. Patrick's Day, so it's, it is literally just the fact that I'm getting old and losing my brain. <laughs> and, and wanted to say to everybody, have a happy St. Patrick's special St. Patrick's Day edition of the Money Beach Show. Do you usually start drinking early on St. Paddy's Day? You should know it by now. I start yeah. drinking early every day. No, uh, I do not start drinking. And I'm half Irish, folks, so I'm not trying to disparage my my Irish heritage out there. I'm not trying to make, you know, use this terrible stereotypical slur about the Irish. Uh, I am a proud Irishman. So no. just want to, you know, get that out and there. And we actually I not. do I'm know quite a bad joke. About. As our
1: previous podcast has shown, I know quite well that you don't. You know, start drinking early because there's a bottle of Jameson still sitting in your desk for the like what two years now. More has than not that, been opened, unopened, unopened bottle of Jameson. Saving that—that's for an emergency.
0: That's for an extreme emergency. The end of the world. The end of the world, right? Which I am prepping for on many levels. But uh, before we get to the end of the world, we're going to have to deal with the world we have, and that's kind of what you know. Actually, that makes into a pretty nice segue into what we're going to talk about today. To help us, we are joined by Chris Dietrich. Chris, how are you?
2: Doing well. Blistering segue, by the way. Yeah,
0: it was pretty weak, actually. But, you know, look, we work with what we've got, right? And Lev Borodovsky, who... Lev, how are you? Welcome, good. Back to the show. Who writes our Daily Shot post. Folks out there, you can find it on WSJ.com. You can subscribe daily. Uh, If you want every chart you could possibly imagine that you will ever need to help you digest the markets...
3: Every day. The Daily
0: Shot. Every day, every morning into your inbox. The Daily Shot newsletter is where you want to go. I know you didn't come on here for a little commercial, Liv, but I just gave you one in I appreciate it, anyway. Paul. Thank you. Uh, and uh, hey, hey, grocer, what should we talk about? Well, I think there was some writer for Moneybeat
1: that wrote a fabulous post. Wow. Really? Um, but it was actually his uh boss's idea as all good ideas are. Yes, that's um, true. That's no, true. Th- But you 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 noticed this actually earlier in the week and we sort and we put it out today that the GDP now that the Atlanta Fed puts out yes. which is designed to give investors give you know people an idea of you know what GDP will look like in the moment based on the incoming mm-hmm. data. And The New York Fed has also launched their own GDP GDP tracker. It's not updated as frequently. It's updated once a week, every Friday. But the interesting thing is the two have diverged quite a bit. They're showing two different economies.
0: Right, right. Uh, You look at the the numbers, and the Atlanta Fed's GDP now is currently projecting the first quarter GDP will come in at 0.9 percent, very low. The New York Fed's now cast got uh, updated just today, Friday, and now they're looking at GDP at 2.8 percent. That is below where they were before they were at. They were at 3.2 percent. But still, those two, and like you said, Grosser, like the two don't always match up perfectly, but they are so far apart right now. I mean, a difference of two full percentage points of GDP growth is basically between 1 and 3%. That is a huge difference of opinion on what the economy looks like. And what we tried to do is figure out what is driving that right now. I mean, one is the economy Donald Trump
1: wants and the other one right. is the economy that we've pretty much had for the last you know, especially in the yeah. first quarter right. for the last few years.
0: Yeah, and I think people this year especially we're, we're hoping that we would not have this typical first quarter weakness that we have had every year for the past few years. The first quarter has been bad every year for the past several years. If you look at the Atlanta GDP, and, and by the way, they're not the only ones saying this. There are a lot of folks out there predicting GDP is going to look weak this quarter. It looks like we're going to have another typical first quarter. And the the, the gist of it is that part of this comes down to how they model these forecasts. Part of it is just modeling. They both use what's called a, a, dy- and I got to make sure I get it right. Uh, a dynamic factoring model. God, I hope I'm getting that right. I don't have the story in front of me. Um, they, so they they both use the, the same kind of model, but then they they diverge in how they calculate it, it down the line what the, they put weight on what they put well what they put weight on and also the Atlanta fed they build their model to more or less mimic what the bea is doing the bureau of economic analysis whereas the new york fed takes the data plugs it through their 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 algorithm their equations they come up with these common factors and then they just kind of apply that directly to where they see gdp going and you end up at this point, you're coming up with two very, very different looks at the economy. And because we got to get Levin Chris in this, I'll, I'll, well, I'll spare but, you the suspense anymore. Why, why? Right. What it really comes down to is that the New York Fed's model is reflecting is not that they necessarily give greater weight to this, but it is reflecting more the 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 surveys that are coming in, the sentiment surveys that a are coming surge in, in, from optimistic, right? Reading uh, the ISM surveys. surveys, regional Fed surveys. Those surveys are because of the model are getting a greater weight in the New York Fed's estimate, which is why it's coming in much, much higher than the Atlanta Fed's. And I that's think, what it basically comes down to.
1: And I think that divergence is important to also the market because it underlines, I mean, underpins, sort of like. How people are interpreting the market right now right. as as sort of the hope for quick tax cuts, quick deregulation, uh, fiscal stimulus has yes. faded, and people are realizing this might come much later in the second half, maybe in 2018. Maybe, right, right. They are pinning the market's rally, where their stocks are right now, on an improving economy, economy that's improving on its own, and... You know on that also sp- spilling over into corporate earnings and corporate earnings picking up and things like that, but are those hopes justified, and I think that's where we get into the you know yeah. sort of the market right well, there's
2: no question right that everywhere you look there it's this bifurcated world in the economy in markets everywhere, even so you have like you said sentiment, right? You ask people what they expect. They expect things to be great. That's what the data keeps showing. The actual real hard data is the same as we've seen. So you can see that elsewhere in different corners of the stock market, for instance, right? The stock market's very close to all-time highs, but then you look under the hood, things like small cap stocks. These are the stocks, you remember we've talked about it at length, that are supposed to benefit most from the Trump administration's economic priorities have done nothing. They're lower Mm -hmm. over the past three months, right? So reconcile that. or. Dig deeper into the University of Michigan does this really closely followed consumer sentiment survey, right, which continues to come in really high. People expect um, to be able to spend more money. The economy improves. Look at that and you find historic levels of bifurcation by the way that people see uh, the world through politics. Democrats think uh, that we're about to go into a recession, People that self-identify as Republicans think that the economy is about to explode. Uh, so, I mean, there's this absolute division everywhere you look, and th- I think that's a really good way to look at it with the with the sort of real-time GDP right. data that Paul right. wrote about.
1: And I think I think it's interesting too when you talk about small stocks and also transports. These are you know these are businesses that are supposed to perform well in an economy that's growing. Um, and they've started lagging. Now, granted, they had a huge run up in the post election and valuations most certainly plays a role in in sort of the sort of the pullback we've seen in the last month. But Lev, I wanted to bring you in because um, I wanted to bring you in just to talk a little bit about the, the sentiment surveys, because you've been running this chart in your Daily Shot email that is excellent.
0: That is such a good lead-in to Lev. But before we let him go, uh, before we let him go off, we have to take a break. Sorry to interrupt, but uh, we have to take a break because we have an important message. We will come back with more Money Beat.
2: There's a new class of blockbuster drugs, drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just Bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism.
3: The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning.
2: From the Journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the Journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. Love tech? Dig gadgets? Then make tech
0: news briefing from the Wall Street Journal a part of your day. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our special St. Patrick's Day edition of Money Beat. And if you like what you're hearing, folks, you want more podcasts from The Wall Street Journal. We have a lot of them out there for you. You can check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. We are on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter. We're always talking about what we're doing at at WSJ Podcasts. You can subscribe. We are on iHeartRadio, your Amazon Echo device, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play Music app, Paul venia, Stephen Grosser, Chris Dietrich, and Lev Borodovsky talking about the economy that you wish you had and the economy that hopefully... You don't have, but maybe you do have. Uh, talking about the difference between sentiment, soft data, and hard data. And Lev, we had uh, just cut you off before we could even get going to give you that break. But but let's talk about. Let's start. Let's talk about some of these sentiment reports. How are they? How are they getting calculated? What do they look like? What are you seeing? And the hard data too. Well, yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah the, yeah. the divergence we're seeing there.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. The, probably the most compelling one is the NFIB uh, Small Business Survey. Uh, if you look at the, uh, the the sales series, which shows projected sales versus current sales, those two have completely diverged, mm. right? So all of a sudden, projected sales have spiked. Uh, you know, somehow, people expect this massive increase in sales, and the current sales are up slightly, but but nowhere near where the, the projected ones are. And you see that repeated. Um, it's interesting. It's not limited to the U.S. Uh, we actually see that in Europe as well, Spain, Germany, uh, where you have some um, you know, expectations that are way ahead of what the economic numbers show. It's interesting, this is a, a little bit uh, of um, the opposite of what happened after Brexit in the UK. So in the UK, uh, sentiment indicators collapsed after the, mm. the uh, EU referendum vote. And everybody said, "Oh, the economy is going to follow on the way down." It did not, all right? And instead, what happened was the uh, um, you know the the surveys returned back to kind of normal. Uh, and so, some people are worried that that's what's going to happen in the U.S. as well, where it's going to go the other way. Um, one hopeful sign that I'm seeing is um, uh, investment, business investment. Um, Their indicators, again, a lot of them are survey-based. Their indicators all pointing to people investing, businesses investing more. And anecdotally, if you talk to uh, smaller businesses, mid-sized businesses, they seem to be much more uh, open about, you know, uh, taking on investments and, and, you know, uh, doing you know capex type type work, yeah. uh, there there are, uh, some of them are waiting on the on the on this tax situation. They're waiting to see if uh, they'll be able to um, to take a hundred percent deduction right. on, on capital investments. Uh, but they're starting to hire. They're starting to to bring people on. So it, it, the the key is you know how big is that that, that effect? Is that sufficient to you know to justify right. this divergence?
0: I, I think part of the, you know, when I look at this, look, no one is suggesting that the economy is going to fall off a cliff, right? I mean, we're just not. What you're talking about is the economy we've had for several years, or the economy that that we hoped we would have, and and the, the economy that the Fed projects
1: we're going to have. I mean, the the Fed is projecting what around one nine two percent GDP growth. Right. I mean right the know, which is what where we've been since the crisis i right. mean they're not they're not expecting and they're and they're saying we're firing at our full potential at like 2% yeah. too um they're not expecting the, this 3%
0: no and, and i personally i think what all these what all this data shows is that the the boost that the stock market got after the election and the run up we've had since the election was basically predicated on hope and Three months into 2017, I don't see any real signs that that hope is being met. I- I'm sorry. That's just, you know, that's just w- where I stand. And you look at I- – I'll mention two other things. <laughs> and you've been standing there for a long time, Paul. <laughs> well, y- yes, I have. Uh, and I have not been wrong. Uh, I'll-, I'll mention two other things, and then we should bring Chris back in. You know, w- When I look at inflation-adjusted wages, take the wages that come out every month in the nonfarm payrolls report, and then take the CPI numbers – you are at a point now where the CPI, the latest CPI report, the the overall inflation number, which was 2.8 from a year ago, or 2.7, I'm sorry, 2.7 from a year ago, is now matching wage growth. And for non-supervisory, now it, inflation is a little higher than wage growth. So all this talk about, you know, wages accelerating, I'm not seeing it. And another one that I mention often... The Chicago Fed's National Activity Index, which measures the, – the you probably follow that one, Lev. You know that one. Of course you do. The It, it measures uh, momentum in the economy. It has been showing that the economy is growing at basically its long-term trend, which for the past several years has been about – to we still have a 2 percent economy that really just cannot get out of its way. And I don't think anything has come around to change that and – if the stock market ever kind of, you know, sees a hint of that, looks in the mirror and catches a glint of that, I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Um, that's that's so all. for the 50th, billionth time, I've listened <laughs> to that rant. And that's and, and, and there's nothing wrong with what you said, and I've just heard it many times, yes, many, Cindy, yes, many, yes, yes, many yeah. times. Sorry, sorry. One of the things I think I want to, this is where I want to bring in, uh, is Chris, because you sort of got to, um, you know, Jenny Yellen brought this up, and this and, and this speaks to your point, too, as well, Paul. Sentiment might be high, but they've not seen any evidence of that leading to consumer spending. Um, you know, is that, you know, I, I guess, you know, is is sentiment going to lead to consumer spending? And also, in what I wanted to actually bring you in specifically, Chris, is to talk about Neil Kashkari, uh, you know, who dissented on raising rates, and he put out a post today, a blog post, um, you know, explaining why he doesn't think the economy is
2: there yeah. yet. Yeah, I mean, if you want to read what I think is a, a very cogent um, kind of outline that has a lot of charts that kind of make the case that Paul made. Uh, Neil Kashkari, he's the Fed President of Minnesota. Minnesota really breeds uh, doves up Minneapolis there. We, Mi- Minneapolis. What did I say? Minnesota. It's Minneapolis, you're correct. Um, but he's the he's the only uh, voting member of the FOMC who didn't, who didn't think the economy was strong enough to justify higher interest rates this week. And his case is essentially, among other things, look, inflation isn't where the targets have been. And I'm not convinced that the jobs market, although it's definitely stronger is at full employment yet. And he lays it out pretty clearly. I mean, the, 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 the Fed's um, own preferred measure of inflation isn't at their target quite right, yet. I mean, right. it's close, and, it, and there's some variability there, but it, but it's not there, and you can look at a lot of places where inflation isn't quite there, and and, and the jobs market still... Um, there's a lot of people that have part-time uh, jobs that that are looking for full-time, and there's a lot of people that are still disenfranchised, so he's not convinced. And Yeah, I mean, there's no... How do we get to the hope? I, you know, hard to say. But that, that, that's a very and, interesting argument that he makes today. And that's the
1: interesting thing, too, because it comes actually at
2: a time when the market
1: started getting concerned early in the week that the Fed might be a little hawkish, and especially in its dot plots in terms of where the rate, because people started talking about the economy was improving enough that the Fed might be behind the curve um, in keeping up with it and might be forced to tighten. I mean that was definitely in the in the market. And I think that also led to a little bit of a bump after they, you know. Right. No, you're right. The rate increase. Um, Lev, one of the things you you were when we were talking before the show, you brought up was the Philadelphia Fed and business inventories, which is another area that, you know, the Fed is looking for and I think everybody's looking to see that pick up to show that the economy really is
3: yeah the philly fed um actually surprised me a bit um this uh, this last week um it, across the board was you saw a, a jump in, in new orders was the highest um uh since the eighties uh the um employment uh the the current employment uh index was the highest in in years um, The one that was most interesting to me was the um, capex expectations you know what what are these and these are businesses in most of pennsylvania um, mid atlantic s- right. yeah, southern jersey and and delaware um and and they're all very uh optimistic about capex so they 're planning to make investments if that happens that 's a game changer right uh, but uh, we've seen, you know, sort of false hopes about this before where we were close. It looks like investment is taking place, and it's not. And we need that investment for, for several reasons, but one of them is to improve productivity. I mean, productivity is just not growing. Mm-hmm. And if you look at how to grow the GDP, the GDP output is really two factors. It's, it's the growth in the in the, um Labor force, which is, you know, our population is growing at 06 percent a year. So you can't get much growth in the in the labor force, uh, especially if you tighten immigration. Uh, and the other factor is productivity. So this is the only variable where you can you can move. And so to get the uh, the GDP growth, you need to improve productivity, and therefore you need to make uh, business investment.
0: Right, and and so far again you want to see you, you see some signs of that you know businesses want to do it but it, it seems to me at least like they want to do it they have the money to do it right. they are waiting for the definitive sign of demand a lot of them back. are yeah yeah,
3: yeah. A similar thing with with houses you, you see people uh, looking to buy a house and they're more excited about it but, uh, you know, just talking to people, a lot of people are holding back. And so the if you look at the uh, mortgage applications, are still way below what they were in the kind of pre-recession level, gradually creeping up. But we want to see that also pick up uh, significantly t- uh, for some real GDP growth.
1: One of the, one of the questions I was going to ask is in terms of business investment. I mean, we live in, for lack of a better phrase, uh, a Trump world. And... <laughs> The uncertainty, you've seen the market pull back because of uncertainty about the timing of this, but how much of an impact is that going to actually have on the businesses and the decision-making businesses make when there's so much uncertainty around policy?
3: They're very worried about uh, taxation, right? It, 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 people are very excited to, to be able to, to write down, you buy a tractor and you write it down the same year. Uh, that's powerful, right? Because right. you can you can take that right off your income. It just increases your your net your uh, after tax net immediately. Um, and so some folks may be waiting for that to actually go, go you know go become a law before they they they, they go for it and do it. If it does happen, by the way, and when it does, uh, I I'm pretty sure we're going to see some some serious pop in in hmm. uh, in capex. Hey, if you had to,
0: to say, Liv, we're, you know, and again, folks, go to WSJ.com, find the Daily Shot and sign up. It's a great newsletter. But you publish, it's got to be 40 or 50 charts a day in that thing. But yeah. if there were, are, are there a handful that you think are the most important things that people should kind of be trying to keep an eye on to get a, a sense of where things are going?
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly um, the, the one I look at is... Um, um, Financial conditions index, for example, that that is that is critical because that that tells you how tight financial conditions are, you know, and if if the Fed is is able to keep raising rates, or if if the market's going to sort of react negatively, and if you you know, basically, if you look at the Goldman's uh, financial conditions index, that um, eased actually after the the Fed move. Because um, people thought that this is this is uh, a much much more dovish, uh, you know, Fed than, than they anticipated. That's an index that I track, um, you know, constantly, and that's probably pretty important going forward. Yeah,
1: and one of the reasons why people think the Fed might be getting behind a little bit on on on, on tightening, right?
3: Yeah.
0: Exactly. All right, should we, uh, should we wrap? Yeah, I think, I that's, think that's a yeah. good show. I think that's good. Uh, Lev, thank you. Always good to see you. Thanks, Paul. Chris, thank you very much. Everyone, have a great, happy, safe St. Patrick's Day. If you're going to break out your your Saw Doctors, your Chieftains, your uh, Dropkick Murphys, your Black 47, maybe a little Van Morrison, listen to a little music, have a Guinness or two, a little Jameson's isn't even bad. Maybe I'll break out that Jameson's today, grosser. No, I'm not. But maybe. But listen. Have a great St. Patrick's Day. Uh, thank you for listening as always, and we'll catch up with you soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.
2: There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of
3: skepticism. The impact of these drugs from business
2: to health is just beginning. Coming soon from The Journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in The Journal feed wherever you get your podcasts.